0: Welcome to our newest adventure for First Responder Wellness, No One Fights Alone, in-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the First Responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard.
1: Welcome back to the No One Fights Alone podcast, where we honor the men and women of our nation's First Responder community by having difficult conversations about the challenges they face every day.
2: You know, we're we're still here in California, uh, still at IACP. Uh, it's been a good conference. You know, it, it has, don't you think?
1: It has been uh, amazing. Uh, so many great people running around, getting to meet, visit, talk, communicate, getting to know them personally, getting to know about their passions, uh, what their struggles and hurdles are. Had a great conversation today with a guy about his, how's he going to change culture within his department? It's just been a real uh, enjoyment to visit with a lot of different people while we're here.
2: Yeah. Well, I I mean, I learned that COVID really did impact this conference and this is the first year that it seems to be growing again.
1: You're really going to feel the excitement uh, among, there's a buzz among the participants that are here really enjoying the connections. And uh, one of the, one of the comments that was made was that people are here for, you know, a different reason than the normal IACP. It's this is the wellness conference and people are, Looking and striving to improve their department's wellness program and how we can keep our officers healthy, so it's been it's been nice
2: well it's it's cool to see the West Coast version, right? like I think the last couple of years, a lot of things that that I've been a part of have been central or east Coast sure, and so this is the first time that uh, I've gotten a chance to see a little bit of the different parts of wellness across the country. uh California's always been nobody goes to those. One's on the East coast from california like it's their it's its own little sector, so it's good to see that uh, across the country there's there's definitely some very similar views when it comes to uh taking care of uh public safety but in saying that uh of course, we are super thankful to have another guest on uh She has been on the podcast before, and she's staring darts into me right now. <laughs> No, one of the the most popular episodes uh, that we've had on here, uh, actually the second most listened to. Uh, she she didn't make it to number one, but she was close, and that is Nicole Jude from Indianapolis. Nicole,
3: hello, hi, Nicole. Hi.
2: No, we're we're glad to have you back on. Of course, you guys made it out here to uh, this conference because you guys are one of the staples, you know, in the country when it comes to wellness. You know, we talked a lot about. How your guys's peer support team was built uh, last time you were on talked a lot about resources talked about a lot about you know what you guys do a little bit differently but how how do you feel about the conference so far?
3: I think it's great i um i c p always does everything right. I do the energy like you said Brad, the energy is amazing this this conference especially, and I've been attending conferences like this for a really long time at this point and to watch them grow over time and see how the word of wellness is spreading is refreshing and I love the connections the the genuine connections that happen because that's what wellness is at the end of the day it's relationships and that's really refreshing to see in the the police community where we end up so siloed frequently and thinking that we, what we have going on is just pertinent to us so to see the movement's amazing.
2: So, you, I'm assuming you've gone in 2019, 2020, probably to this?
3: Remember what the first year would have been, but yes, I've been to several um, IACPs and then IACP OSW specific.
2: So, do you think it's grown? Absolutely. Like, we're talking three, four, five times what it originally yeah. was?
3: Yeah. And I was actually just saying to some to someone earlier today that when I first started in the unit, which was 2015 ish. Um, the middle of 2015, well, the beginning of 2015, you know, you would come to a wellness conference in policing and there would be maybe, I don't know, a hundred people would be presenting in front of, you know, like literally dozens of people. And then yesterday for our mentoring panel, the room was full and it wasn't a small room. It was a large room. And so my thinking is, now we're just not focusing on wellness, but we're fo- focusing on really all these subsidiaries that matter, that are the components to wellness. And that's huge. I think that's really amazing.
2: So it was both at FOP and here. Your guys' room was completely full then. Mm-hmm. So was it the same general concept, like where you guys were reaching out to the, you know, people sitting in the crowd and, and having them ask you questions? Or what were you guys working on?
3: Yeah, so this this – Presentation at ICP was um, with the COPS office and Um and it was a panel specific to mentoring. And the FOP conference, Deputy Chief Cunningham, who we answered directly to in wellness, Lieutenant Baker and I did a presentation about just the decade of growth that we've had um, and what that's looked like over time. I mean, we've been formally in existence for 13 years, so that was really about what those growth points are and, you know, for mistake avoidance and just lessons learned and where we are because wellness will never be stagnant. When you're in people's lives, it's always changing and, and we have to be able to pivot and maneuver with that.
1: So for <clears throat> for those out there that may be, may be unfamiliar or on the front end of starting a wellness program or a peer support team even, let's Let's visit some of those challenges. What you know, experiential speaking, uh, maybe something we talk about today could could prevent a going down a path that could be harmful to their team. What maybe if there's a challenge or two that you'd want to talk about? What what might be something that you could discuss and say, "Hey, this is a this is this is a real thing. This is this is something real that maybe you could avoid going down."
3: Yeah. So I think a large part of what we do in our office is so we're, there's four sworn right now in our office. And part of our job is, I always say, I'll sit in the shit with an officer all day long. I, and we'll always be here. I'll always be on the other end of the phone. But at the end of the day, I'm a cop. And so it's my job as a wellness officer to transfer the trust that I've built with our culturally competent resources so those officers can get where they need to be. And so being able to vet those resources on a continued basis and making sure that, you know, they are doing what they need to be doing for our people. And that looks different. You know, how we work with officers looks different in every situation. But essentially, I think one of the most important things is outreach to your community. I think in law enforcement, we think that nobody wants to help us or nobody cares. And that Mm -hmm. couldn't be further from the truth. So the outreach to your community to find out who those They may be therapists that don't even know that they want to work with police, but they're very competent in trauma. We just met recently with a new group of therapists that radical acceptance is what they're they're preaching. And so, you know, I just having the open mind about it that, you know, we've worked with hypnotherapists for people before. So like having the open mind to reach out to those people in your community that may want to help you, but. We just don't know how to get there. So I think that is ultimately what can make a program successful from the beginning. Because as cops, we talk. We talk a lot. We talk a lot of shit. But when you have those successes as a wellness unit from the beginning and those people recover out loud, it's a snowball effect. Sure. And it's taken us a long time. I mean, you're effectively moving a really big ship and it takes time. It takes time, but at the same, to the same point, once it starts, I think it really rolls.
1: We're pretty, uh, we're pretty narrow-minded though. When it comes to exploring alternative options, if we're looking at things, I love where you're going with this yeah. because we, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, here's the path. There's mm-hmm. only one path. And you're talking about expanding your mind to uh, all avenues of yeah. who can actually help.
3: In my response to people when they say, Oh, like I I tell people all the time when I'm when I meet with officers, which is really the cornerstone of our office and something that I am still very passionate about. I don't care what you go out on the street and say, like, you can talk shit about this office. I've had officers that I've worked with in the office, talk shit about the office in front of me to other people. And at that point, it has nothing to do with me. I swallow my pride and I move on. Maybe later I'm like, that's fucked up. But they can say whatever they want, but there are 4 sworn officers in our unit that has a budget. We have a budget for our office. Command staff a department's not going to put allocate resources if there's no utilization.
2: Sure. Well, I think it's interesting we were talking about it a little bit earlier, but the the method which you have had to approach older officers versus newer officers, right? Cuz Brad's talking about hey, you know, in you know, his generation of law enforcement, there was the one way, right?
1: I just got dated.
2: You did. hundred <laughs> percent. Do you feel, and, and both of you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but do you feel like the younger generation doesn't have quite the same mindset and you have to deal with them differently?
3: Yes and no. I think part of, part of our model in Indianapolis is, and the mentoring program tries to head that off at the pass and saying like, from the first week, we just want you to talk about what's going on. And I think with the younger generation, just like with every generation in law enforcement, like we're all supposed to be tough. Mm -hmm. We want to look tough. You have to prove yourself. You have to prove yourself to do this job. And that's constant. And so I think while there is a difference, there's also still that stigma of like, well, I'm just going to plow through this because I can or because I feel like I have to.
2: That's fair. But also it's changed your job in a sense because these newer officers don't know you don't have the same credibility, maybe right. that and, you did with
3: Right. You know. And so that just becomes a constant re-education of of our people. Um and how and maneuvering to figure out how we, we respond to that. Because yeah, you know, like I said earlier, historically when our program started, we had people that had tenure and longevity that went across the whole spectrum of the agency. And they knew us as people. They knew the other members of the unit as people before wellness officers. And now we've had, I mean, we've been running two or three classes a year for the last seven years. And so now those of us in the office are wellness officers before we're people. So we're more departmental in perception, I think.
2: Well, it's one of those where, I mean, they... They don't have the same opportunity for the trust because I'm I'm guessing that most of you got picked for the wellness team because you were trusted by other
0: officers.
3: Yeah, I will say, though, that part of our messaging to them and them seeing like the recruits seeing our faces over time because we are constantly trying to just pursue them as well. So they they believe that wellness is entrenched in our culture and just normal. So we've had officer like the first place we had a horrific incident. And the first place, well, we've had multiple horrific incidents just like everywhere, but the first place that this officer went was our office, like literally left the scene and drove to our office. And I think that says something like person had worked with Justin coworker and that was the first place he thought to go. So that, and that was younger, I think a couple years on. So, and I think that speaks volumes too. So but it's that constant balance of, like, how do you pursue that younger generation that's trying to still, like, earn the badge and earn the respect? It just looks a little different, I think. But, but in
1: addition to that, though, the, the culture itself is changing as well, right? Uh, yes. So, so there is a – even though you're now known as Wellness Nicole instead of Street Officer Nicole – your, yeah. is that your new nickname? Did n- we just come up with it? No, new
3: I really though I texted. I was like, "Hey, this is Nicole from Wellness." <laughs> Nicole from Wellness.
1: <laughs> Nicole from Wellness, not Nicole from the Street Cop gang. Uh, yeah. The um, I mean, that's a identity change of sorts.
3: Yeah, and you know that's the other thing that John and I just had this conversation about. So since the beginning of the year, I have picked up as of like two weeks ago, eighteen new officers that had reached out, that had texted, that that needed more than just like, can I have the number for this or the number for that? And so like having been in the unit this long, you build those relationships if you're doing it right and you establish. And so you don't ever really move on from anyone. And so the continued like balance of, I need to engage with this person. I want to engage with this person, but how do I, how do I balance that? Right. Because like I said earlier, then Like, Austin, you're going to tell Brad, like, just call Nicole and, you know, to not engage with that would be detrimental to the program. So I guess this is where my self-care plug comes in. Like, I always do. I mean,
2: you got to give it. Nobody, nobody else talks about their self-care. Really? Like, like on on the wellness side, they forget themselves because they feel like they are so invested in their entire department that they don't talk about their own self-care. It's very common. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And i I mean, just full disclosure, I was there for a long time. I don't know if I talked about that last time on the, you did. Yeah. Yeah. About the break I took and
2: Mm -hmm.
3: yeah. And I still have to be mindful about it. So, and that's hard. That's hard when like gauging what, what is actually a crisis in someone's life feels like a huge responsibility. It is a huge responsibility. Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah. It is a huge responsibility.
3: And um, we're really fortunate to have a team like we have our own little family now that we help each other balance that and figure that out, too. So.
2: So is there is it fair to say, though, that there are some times when I mean, no matter how hard you try, you get maybe a little bit too emotionally oh, ab- invested? Yeah,
3: absolutely. And
2: is that when someone else from the team picks that yes. up and, and yeah. takes over maybe that officer yeah. or something like that?
3: And we are we're really fortunate. Um, John just got promoted to lieutenant. So. Lieutenant Baker, Sergeant Hawkman, Officer Tusing, and I are in the unit, and so it's not abnormal for me to say, Claire, who's technically my boss, like I think you need to step away from this and let one of us take this because it seems like you're a little too close to the situation, and vice versa. I mean, that looks we have we have to be able to critically and analytically think about things and know, like we've had outside therapists come in and talk about what our triggers are and burn burnout, and so just that constant pulse on like what's going on. And that's also one of the reasons why, like if you're starting a unit, I understand staffing and like resources are difficult right now, but to do this job alone is exhausting, exhausting. And there's no, there's not, there's no longevity in that. There's just not. Mm
1: -hmm. I know, uh, uh, you know, one One example of a one-man show um, literally went from a uh, visit at a hospital, got a call of a shooting, had a heart attack on the way to the shooting. He finished his job there, drove himself to the local hospital and checked himself in after he finished his, that's, that's a one-man show. That was years ago. Yeah. You know, those are all lessons learned, but I think, uh, you know, back to your point, circle back to your point of, you know, I used to teach um, within the peer support community that, that the rank, I love your concept there, that the rank really kind of, uh, diminishes, it has to diminish because you really have to have hard conversations with each other that are not rank based. These are what's best for the people we're serving, the yeah. community that we're serving. And if if rank comes into the room, then it really diminishes the impact you can, of the community you're mm-hmm. serving, the officers you're serving. Is that fair?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think for like, for us, that, that respect Comes from the top down and the bottom up, so I'm never going to be overtly disrespectful to John or Claire, but they also create the space that allows me to speak openly, sure. so and freely. Um, and the same extends to Deputy Chief Cunningham, who this office, our office, has worked under and for pretty much for the whole duration of the office. Um, there's been a couple times that I've called her and I've said, "Hey, ma'am, I know you have to say no to this. That's your job. But my job's just to ask you, like, just a large." Level
1: of respect across the board
3: and an understanding like this is my lane that I'm staying in right now.
1: And every, everybody has to be bought into that. I mean, when, yes. you're, when you're asked the question, you have to give an honest response. Yes. Of no, I don't want to answer that because I'm your boss. That's not okay.
3: Right. And that, that takes like an emotional investment to some extent and sure. vul- a level of vul- vulnerability that I think is really hard in our world to exhibit, to sure. show.
2: Okay. So, what, is, what does self care look like for you?
3: Yeah, well, we talked about that before, and I stared at the wall for a second, didn't I? Yeah, before I said, yeah um, because you
2: were bragging about it, and then when you actually had to think <laughs> about what it was, I was like, "Wait, be. shit!
3: What do I actually do for self-care?" Yeah. Um, so the first thing is really my son, who is in sports, and um just brings me a large amount of joy. And then we, I have a really good, like, grounding network of friends that aren't in law enforcement that we spend a lot of time with. Um, my um, one of my best friends as kids that Luke just gets along really beautifully with so we spend a lot of time with them going out I don't know we like went mushroom hunting a couple weekends and just whatever that looks like with um, that group of people
2: I mean tell tell us how important you think it is to have friends outside of law enforcement mm-hmm. as a law enforcement officer
3: Yeah I mean so that's well what I was saying earlier my boss well claire one of my bosses is one of my best friends as well and so even the mind being mindful that we aren't talking about work like let's just talk about the color of our nails or like what something that's that's not related to the office is i feel like very important because living and breathing the toxicity that exists not sustainable
2: no 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 no
3: and then I took up golf within the last few years. The most been...
2: frustrating thing in the world. Yeah, I mean. but
3: I, I don't feel that way. Like, I feel like everybody sucks at golf, so I, it's less pressure for me because I'm like, well, I mean, I just, you know.
1: Does Wellness Cole have a handicap?
3: <laughs> oh, no, not yet. I'm working on it, though. <laughs> I am.
2: You love the sand. <sighs> I had to say it. Yeah, yeah. So what else? So we do in golf, the most frustrating thing in the world, family is what I'm hearing. Friends, which is extremely important. I think. Outside. Friends. uh, Yes.
1: Outside the the culture.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Are you going to bring up the Peloton?
2: uh, Oh, it's coming up. Yeah. So
3: this is actually a hilarious story. Let's hear it. So I went into the office and I was like, hey, guys, I got a stationary bike (laughs) over the weekend. And John was like, what'd you say? And I said, yeah, I got like a like a spin bike and he's like why don't you just say you got a peloton
2: (laughs) oh so he knew right away i (laughs) didn't
3: want to say that i got a peloton because i knew they'd all be like oh you you know you're one of those yeah Yeah, exactly
2: Uh, right now but john
3: was just like johnny on the spot
2: oh yeah well i'm just picturing you now you riding the bike with the girl that's like cheering you on the whole time yeah yeah yeah, with a glass of wine in the cup holder. Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Slow, not down to do that? <laughs> Slow down the go. Slow down the go. You're going too fast. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So uh, exercise, right? Is that is that more like?
3: Yeah, just moving.
2: Moving. Like, yeah.
3: You know, I think too when you have an inside job or you're in your squad car, like we got to move. We got to move. I think way more of us suffer from chronic pain as well than what yeah. we really imagine um or understand like we just grow to accept it as a part of our everyday. So, I've really I've been working on that lately like just little walks. Get uh-huh. up and walk and move. And it's the small things like the breath work and the, you know, mm-hmm. le- like
1: taking the stairs.
3: That's right. Or park like further away than what mm-hmm. you really care to do. I mean, it's this. It's the purposefulness, I think, and just the intentionality of it.
2: Mindfulness. That, yeah. I think that's a mindful practice. Yeah, there, of course, in, in one way or another. Yep. Right. Like, I'm. I've been bitching this whole trip because I broke my toe right before this. Oh my gosh! And is that they the one I just stop. kicked? No, no, oh, other okay. foot. <laughs> can you but, put
3: that other one over here? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> These are steel toed for a reason. Oh, <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> Not. It has been nonstop, <laughs> yeah. Nicole. Yeah. My toe, my toe. My oh toe. no! I have pictures. I mean, it's the whole thing. <sighs> yeah.
3: What are you doing to care for yourself through that?
1: The it, I walk in front of him and don't bitch okay. the whole time. Okay, watch, no, Brad, watch Brad. Austin, has, this is how you do it.
2: Yeah. No, Brad has uh <laughs> conveniently found himself hundreds yards away from the booth at all times <laughs> during this.
3: I actually have noticed that.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, because he he's always hear in me. the hallway. Yeah, he didn't want to hear me bitching. <sighs> I don't blame him.
3: Well, poor Tyler. I've seen him at the booth though. He, he doesn't, doesn't just, have a choice. Oh yeah.
2: steady Tyler. Sorry, yeah. Tyler. Yeah. Tyler, yep. <laughs> we no, we don't say sorry for Tyler, by the way. Oh. He's not there yet.
1: So well, let's circle back. Okay, let's let's ground out back to the to the let's do a little peer support uh circling back. So one of the going back to the challenges, right? We've talked about some self-care stuff. We talked about some hurdles. Uh again, if there's somebody out there um listening saying, Hey, I wanna I wanna do something. I wanna move towards uh a wellness program. How do we get started? How what who who do we look at? Where do we go? What what kind of things would you maybe throw their way?
3: Yeah. So um well, uh CryTac, um, Collaborative Reform Initiative, Technical Assistance Center, they uh will provide come like they have subject matter experts that will come in and help for a whole myriad of different titles and whatever an agency is looking for. So they have a wellness track for that. So um, basically the chief has to sign off on it, but it's completely free to the agency. And so I think that's been really productive for a lot of agencies, but you don't even necessarily need to go that formal. I mean, I, we're, and in, we're still rolling our program out in Indianapolis. We don't have a policy. And we've been in operation for 13 years because it's just it we've not found one that works.
2: That was the best part about FOP and, was that yeah. I was sitting in watching in the back listening and I think seven or eight of the questions were. So what's your policy with this and what's well, your policy with that? And John yeah. just like started laughing each time. And, He's like,
3: well, so that's that's one of the things, honestly, that it's interesting to me Um Because, you know, we have consulted and and spoken with so many agencies from across this country, which has been a really cool experience, too. But the first question, like we can roadmap what the questions are going to be like, can I have your policy? Can I have your SOP? Can I have your. Well, we don't have one, first of all, but like wellness is people like not necessarily programming. So just because you have a policy doesn't mean that you can read into what a wellness program actually is or isn't. So I don't think you start with policy. I think you start with people and you start small and let it grow. However, it's going to grow for your agency and what that looks like is different depending on what your culture is, but you definitely have to have the right person or people in the seats to begin with.
1: Because there's so many topics there that you can just challenge. Yeah. Sleep.
3: Yes. Drinking relationships. That's right. I mean, and like yesterday we had a, a meeting with some other subject matter experts and it was funny because we joked i said we needed one of the subject matter experts to come in and write our policy and someone else was joking that they needed us to come in and help them with their mentoring because wellness programs are so robust and they look different everywhere that you can't just say we have we have wellness like we we there's more breadth to to it than that yeah So I think, you know, and and people know where they have traction, like you have traction if you have traction in the physical health arena, just pick that first and then you just sprinkle in things along the way or, you know, I mean.
2: Yeah, but there's also they've got to realize probably some places that they lack, whether it's like a small department and they just don't have the resources of therapists mm -hmm. or psychiatrists or whatever in the area like they you got to know that that's an issue. Right. And at that point, you know, what would it be telehealth or something something like that? Right. Right. Right.
3: I would also challenge like at this point it's out there oh yeah you have to you may have to go look for it but it's out there and that wasn't the case a decade ago no Mm -hmm. but it is now Mm -hmm. um and that takes legwork that's not just someone sending you what a policy looks like or an sop that's like you have to get out there and and do the boots on the ground work to build those relationships with those providers
1: i mean it's not cheap to come to an event like where we're at. No. I mean, it it, no. it costs a lot of money. To, yeah. I don't know how many people you have here from your agency, but, you know, getting a hotel room and flight, mm-hmm. you know, paying per diem for, who, you know, however, it, it it's expensive. But the reality is you don't have to come to one of these to find these kind of resources. Right. These are phone calls away. Yeah. Um, internet clicks away.
3: Yeah. Which is amazing to think about. It really is all it's all out there. You just have to look.
1: You so let's just pick have up to the phone and call in a wellness Nicole. plan. Yeah. Saying, Hey, I need help.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we're always happy to help however we can. I may not have an answer, but I'll point you to somebody that if they don't have the answer, they'll point you to somebody else.
1: (laughs) Right. So if we, if we picked a category of, uh, well, let's pick a hard one. Uh, let's talk about suicide. That's a predominant problem here. How would, how would we, how would an agency start addressing, you know, I want to make sure I do everything possible because I've had a scare somebody said you know I've been thinking about these things where do we steer those people
2: or I guess like my to add to Brad's question would be okay so before you had everything set up for a call like that what did you have to change
3: yeah so well i mean again we have gotten where we are because things were really bad things were done wrong and so suicide we so for us we have relationships with the local hospitals that will take people in crisis if they're suicidal, and that looks like us saying, you know, we get that phone call. Um, we are never punitive, so uh, we don't ID someone. Mm-hmm. We don't put somebody under immediate detention uniforms. We do that if they're if they're unwilling to go on their own to the hospital. Um, but building that relationship with your local hospitals, so because when somebody's in crisis, you don't want to have to be like, oh shit, where's that number? Um, we have a really good relationship with a gentleman that's over one of the behavioral crisis centers, and so like three a.m. If
0: good not, guy. if but He's when I guy.
3: but when I get the phone call, I mean he he answers the phone at three a.m. And that's because the wellness office has a relationship with him. So again, it's not rocket science; it's it's relationship building.
2: Sure.
3: Um, and and does,
2: does that look like separate entrance esque type thing, or is it?
3: Yes yeah yeah to make people feel
2: more comfortable Mm -hmm.
3: yeah or like hey they know you're coming like they know that what the circumstance is i mean we just try to mitigate all of that so and that's more crisis response than it is proactive in nature i think that we do well we try to do trainings on like warning signs to supervisors and you know like what what that looks like I think it's training it's education it's it's messaging about things that we don't generally talk about that nobody wants to talk about
2: um removing barriers as well
3: yeah yeah
2: because that's a big one I think the private entrance is a great idea right or just letting them kind of know because you're you're releasing each and every because that's a barrier in my head right mm-hmm. if if I'm thinking about it like I know I'm just going to use myself for an example I know the behavioral health hospital close to my home i have worked with them multiple times and that would keep me from going there.
3: Yeah. Cause you know them.
2: Yeah. 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 I know the front desk. I know the, all the reps. Uh I know some of the doctors. Like it would keep me from being like, okay, I'm feeling suicidal right now. looks like I'm going to need to drive about two hours away.
3: And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about people in this space of peer support, because I mean that when we're the ones that are supposed to take care of people and help people, then how do you just, you know, like, yeah, how do you show that level of vulnerability? That's a hard yeah. thing.
2: Well, and also we just talked about it, but I think you pointed it out right there is in the last year or so I've seen wellness people struggling.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's the hypocrisy of my story. Yeah. You know, working in this industry for years and then coming to the full frontal gravity of I'm not okay. Now what? Well, it's because
2: you spent mm. all your time on other people. I did. And none on mm. yourself. And like, that is a gallant act and brave, mm. but it also has consequences.
1: But the reality was, I, I mean, there was a, a self-deception that occurred in that journey as well, which I thought I was taking good care of myself. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of self-deception that occurs there with, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of me and everybody else, but didn't realize the spiral that I was going down. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Boom, I meet Austin. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, it speaks to it, too. I mean, two and a half years sober for me, I was the the most suicidal I've ever been. And that's taking care of myself. I'm working in treatment. I'm doing all these things. And I'm going to bed every night at 6 p.m., waking up, you know, go to work at 5 or whatever, not having a relationship with anyone, living in a basement. It was dark. It was cold. And that was the darkest portion of my life.
3: That's such a hopeless, like, helpless... when. When you feel like you're doing all of the things to take care of yourself and you know, like logically, you know, these things, but you don't feel them.
1: Mm -mm. I think some of the different uh, pieces now for me are um, being, which kind of circles back to something you mentioned earlier, which is being vulnerable to somebody else, you know, really being honest with uh, the, the complete wholeness of your life with somebody else saying, I'm struggling today. I'm 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 having a I'm out of a shitty day. Mm. And uh I just need a minute to vent that out to because in the wellness industry we typically didn't do that. I didn't do that before. I shouldn't say we yeah. I didn't do that before. You know, if I was having a bad day I would retreat within, which is Well, I think that's it, the danger zone.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those where I would compare myself to the clients oh, yeah. and to other people that were going through very difficult things and I would say my life looks pretty good. Right. And so like I can, I have no excuse to sit and talk to somebody and say, Hey, I'm struggling or "Hey, This is what's going on because all these other people are having a terrible day. Mm-hmm. They're struggling. They have nothing or they lost their family, whatever it may Why be. Why am I bitching? Yeah.
3: We're exactly. so good as cops as doing that. Yeah. Like it discredits your own trauma and your own journey. Well, I've never been shot he's been shot. I don't have the right to feel the way that I do about my life or, you know, yeah,
2: comparing se- traumas, separate, yeah. separate yeah. the peer yeah. support here. That's law enforcement as a whole. Absolutely. Right. First like, responders. as yeah, well. First yeah. responders. Oh, absolutely. As yeah. 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 And it's veterans. Yeah. It's, it's that whole game. It's a toxic mindset to have though. Sure. Which has led to us having to be at places like this.
1: Sure.
2: To, to talk about wellness is the fact that they, I mean, I, I bet you 90% of the, the room has done, exactly that, push their own needs mm-hmm. back.
1: In so, order so to the circle others. back to that lesson, uh, you know, and I'll just throw it out here and let you guys uh, offer up an opinion on it, which is really being vulnerable to somebody else and allowing uh, them the opportunity to give you feedback, true feedback on that space you're in uh, that you're not feeling well. You're not, you know, you're not, you're feeling weird. You know, you're having a bad day. You're, you know, you're in a, you know, in a dark place, but you know, I don't want to tell anybody because I'm part of the wellness team and I'm part of the, you know, whatever that may be. What, uh, what does that look like? How, How do you, how do you embrace that in your own mind and move forward and say, you know what, I'm going to go talk to Nicole or John or Austin.
3: Um, I think it goes back to what Austin was alluding to earlier is you have to fight the desire to isolate You have to have trusted agents in your life that can speak into your life that you've given permission to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny because I told um, Justin recently, I had noticed at work I'd been super fucking reactive to things like just from zero to 100. And I'm like, this is not normal for me. Mm -hmm. And so I told Justin, I was like, can you help be my accountability partner for this? Like, if you see me, will you just please say something? And I may not like it, but I'm giving you the permission ahead of time to do so and so of course something happened and i was like oh i was i was losing my shit like in the office and justin goes as i said before my therapist name is christy he looks at me he goes do i need to call christy <laughs> i was like <laughs> got it okay yeah, i got proceed. it yeah so the the
2: it's weird though how much effect that actually probably had on you yeah like calmed you down yes probably immediately it
3: did i was like i'm gonna go for a mental health walk thank you justin
1: Austin yeah. just did it to me, not, I don't know, it was maybe a couple of weeks ago. We were visiting about something and just randomly, is that a resentment? I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But in, in, did you kick him in the toe? Uh, well, <laughs> after I, you know, I, I was, was you're, you're, <laughs> oh, you're okay. irritated by it first, right? It <laughs> yes. irritates the shit out of you. And then yeah. the realization is, okay, he's got a point. He's, yeah. there's a, You know, thanks.
2: Yeah, but the the people that are willing to do that in your life are also willing to face the backlash that may come from you, or me, or Brad, right? (laughs) Because that's I've had that same thing where I'm like, "Hey, hold me accountable," and then they do, and I'm like, "You know, fuck you." Yeah. Don't ever do that again. And then a couple hours later, I'm like, "I'm sorry."
3: Yeah. Yeah, Sorry about that whole
2: thing. (laughs) Yeah. Just needed a minute. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's weird, and and I even do it if you can with your partner, your loved one, whatever it may be, I think it's a super mm-hmm. healthy relationship mechanism as well, because they're spending a lot of time you, around you as well. So it's, you know, your yeah. family and your work. So but that's get, a hard
1: permission to give. Yeah. That's a really hard permission yes. to give. That's that, a hard. Yeah.
2: And that's why I say healthy, right? Cause yeah. it's, I don't think a lot of people naturally do it, mm-hmm. but if you can get to that point, it's yeah. good for you.
3: I mean, and that's, Like, so for us, we, when we bring the recruits, loved ones in, whoever their support system is, we bring them in two weekends over the duration of their academy and encourage them to read Gil Martin's book too, because we can't proofread our own shit sometimes. Like sometimes you just need someone else to say like, you're off, you're off what's going on, but then you have to be willing to listen to it and internalize that. And, you know,
1: do you find that well received from the families to, to be that bold to put that information out. Do you, do you feel like that's well received? From yeah. The families? yeah.
3: Yeah. So, and the reason why I say yes to that is because we get referrals from families
1: mm-hmm.
3: fairly consistent, like consistently to asking to check in or them asking to come in. Cause they want to better understand what may be going on. And yeah,
1: such a great, uh, such a great topic there. Cause that's a, that's another rabbit hole you can go down for a hot minute. Um, Oh of, yeah. Of just the families. But, uh, you know, I remember building a, uh, pretty external wall around my family um, or my career from my family for that. Don't ask me, don't ask me those questions. You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't get to do that. What was that? Was that to protect them? I felt like it was protection. Yeah. You know, I was protecting them for of sorts, maybe arguably there was some truth to that, but I don't think so. I mean, what we know now is we can talk about the impact of that without talking about the, gory details. Right. You know, it's, it's education. You know, Mm -hmm. you're talking about, we can talk about, you know, that, that made my heart hurt, you know, really badly and talk about the impact levels of that versus, yeah, I want to tell you about this head that I had to go pick up and Mm -hmm. draining its blood out. Those are, you know, those are different conversations. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah. We try to encourage um, the recruits. John teaches those classes and you know, what, where are those boundaries for their loved ones or their spouses? Like, what Mm -hmm. is it? Do you, are you okay hearing gory details if, if, mm-hmm. well, not if, when they arise, you know, or do you want it to be more, I mean, less specific and detailed and, yeah. you know, cause those things matter. Like, um, when I was in narcotics still and my husband didn't want to know before we serve search warrants or before I would go to buys because he's like, well, if something happens, at least I just find out then. And I don't have the anxiety worrying if things are okay or not.
2: For hours and hours, yeah. you know, so, waiting for your text or and your call. Yeah. And
3: yeah. that looks different for everybody, but the communication.
1: Yeah. And that's pretty fair on his part. Yeah.
3: Right? I like, respected it. You know, that's, yeah.
1: that's interesting too, because I, I've found um, in most recent, this communication is instant. So he, everybody mm-hmm. has phones, so they're communicating. Um, I know a couple that got themselves in a bind because he would call and leave his spouse on the phone during the call. And that call, one of those went bad, Um, you know, which ended up in itself produced a let's start educating our folks on how and why we're using that phone in connection Mm -hmm. with their family. And, you know, and what made me think about this, each, each different, each one's different, uniquely different how they want to interact and communicate. But we still have to, there is a level of protection we have to safeguard our families from. Wellness to call. This has been amazing. If, if you were, let, let's do some, let's do some kind of, as we, as we finish up, this has been um, absolutely wonderful. If you were leaving somebody with a final message, uh, kind of on overviewing what we've talked about, if there's somebody out there that says, Hey, I want to, I want to do this. I want to, you know, what, what would be your, what would be your go-to message of just, Hey, here's how to take care of yourself. Uh, we've had some great conversations with this. Uh, and this is, I mean, just the short time, this is a huge topic um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to try to culminate into just a few seconds. But how do people take care of themselves out there?
3: That's a tough question. I think one of the things I find myself telling people frequently is that it's always the long game. Like we're always playing the long game. And back to me being reactive, the one thing that I've learned and I've, I've watched Deputy Chief Cunningham, she's amazing at this, is letting things play out and not thinking we have to fix something right this second and i think the combination of a wellness officer who is a cop like we have that to the like nth degree somebody brings something to us and we're like okay we're gonna fix this shit right now like let's go do it yeah. let's control the process let's manhandle this and try to or woman handle it and get through it that's not a real thing and that's a frustrating thing and that's been a long journey for me to loot to to learn in this space that I'll walk the journey. We walk the journey with people as wellness representatives and officers, but we're not saving anyone. We're not fixing anyone. That's, that's their journey. We're just lucky enough to get to walk it with them.
2: So, um, well, people, people end up making their own decisions yeah, in life, right? Yeah. We can't yeah. control what those decisions that's are right. good or bad.
3: We just give them the space yeah. to deal with it or not deal with it. and,
2: yeah, and if, so, they, if they make a mistake or they do something wrong, yeah. I mean, you you are still there to help. That's right. And listen.
3: That's um, John, we send out emails um, from a daily report. So if we see something that seems like extra traumatic, what, what the fuck does that even mean either, right, you know? right? So we'll send out emails. John had sent an email, didn't get a response. Three years later, he got an email from a person that he had contacted reference some stuff that they had going on in their life. So it's always the long game. Like you have to be in pursuit of your people. Let them know you're there on their timeline, not yours.
2: I mean, do you think though that that you, we obviously can't speak for John, but th- isn't that something that kind of reignites you a little bit three years later? Oh yeah. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This meant something. Right. Like my
1: job is worth it. I'm making an impact.
3: Yeah, and, and the person not responding to John had nothing to do with John. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well,
1: and I think that's great messaging for the, for the officers out there that are maybe don't have a wellness program, uh, but they can actually listen to this and hear, this is a long game. This is a marathon. I've mm-hmm. got to do 20, 25, 30 years in this business. And, you know, we're trained to handle things immediately. It's got to be an immediate fix. Calm to chaos. I'm sorry, chaos to calm. And, uh, you know, the reality is the trauma, our brains, our hearts don't work that way. Right. Uh, so we really need to focus. I love that messaging and it, it carries over to the individual officers there in the field. So, yeah. Wellness Nicole, thank yeah. you so much for coming you, on. You will
2: never be known as anything well yeah. Wellness, wellness Nicole. Nicole. Yeah. Wellness well, Nicole. I'm Nicole from Wellness wellness nicole
3: i've been called way worse things i think wellness I, nicole is I, okay i do believe that
2: actually. just prior to recording actually yeah. <laughs> yeah but this
1: is on the internet forever that's, that's okay. the difference
3: it's okay. okay now i have Ajita, thanks
1: <laughs> thank you so much you've been a delight you've been yes you tugging at your turtleneck you're you've been a delight to have on thank, thank you so you. much for your wisdom your insight and uh you know your passion to do this yep. thank you kind of work
3: thanks for having me
0: Thank you for listening to this segment of No One Fights Alone. No One Fights Alone is sponsored by
2: Chateau Recovery is a 16-bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's First Responder Resiliency Program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information or to speak to a representative, go to ChateauRecovery.com or call 888-507-5031.
0: No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour All Badges, All Uniforms, and All Scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced, immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-222419-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.